Hey guys, you're listening to Musings with Townsend and Preacher Man, the podcast where life issues and the Bible collide. We hope you enjoy today's topic and are encouraged to do some musing yourself. Thanks for listening. Welcome to October, everyone. It is October 2nd when you're hearing this, or at least it's close to October 2nd. (laughs) You are here with me, Preacher Man, and that lady over there, Townsend. We are super happy to be here with you in the midst of, at least around here in Mississippi, a beautiful beginning to the fall. I know, having lived here long enough, uh, it won't stay this way. Uh, You better not put all of your you know, shorts and t-shirts away yet. No, It'll be... I hear some warmer times are coming yeah. in the next couple weeks. But I can say that as of recording this right now, the air conditioner and the fan over there in the corner, they are both off. Yes, so see, it's it so beautiful, great. so beautiful outside that we are not having to run any of that stuff. So guys, we are so very thankful to have you here with us. You are listener land. We are Preacher Man and Townsend. And together, we just get this chance once a week to have these conversations and our prayer is that you're blessed in participating with us. Even You might feel like you're the silent partner, but you're not because we know that you're there and we think about you and I pray about you as we prepare for these things each week. And as always, before we get too far started, just a, a, fur, uh, just a reminder again, please, if there's something that you'd like to hear us muse about or there's something we could be praying for you about, any way that you'd like to share something with us, you can hit us with that email. You can hit us with... Uh, a post on our Facebook page, whatever you'd like to do to reach out to us. Some of you may even know us personally and can text message us. But anyhow, guys, we love you to death. We hope that these things are as uplifting to you as they are to the two of us, you know, in just sitting here and having these conversations. And Absolutely. so we have said it many times, God puts these 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 uh, topics and this list together far in advance. Uh, and I had no idea when we were even putting together this we're in the 20s right now, so I think you're listening to episode 20-something, 20 27, I think. Yes. You know, so when we were putting together the 20s list, I had no idea that our our country would kind of blow up, I guess is a polite way of saying it, on, on what color someone is and how we interact that way. And so I want to treat with great deal of respect the topic that, that is on the docket for today because it has to do very often in an American mindset with how different races treated one another in in this country's earlier uh, history. But we want to talk about slavery, of all things, because here's why. I told Townsend when she got here, I was like, listen, here's why this topic is important to me. Because as someone who spent a long time studying Christian apologetics, as someone who sees himself as a student of that, I have heard as an attack against the Bible quite often this idea that the Bible supports slavery, that the Bible actually instructs you to have slaves and how to treat slaves and that people should own other people. And because that's true and that's in the Bible, therefore the Bible isn't something that you should read or try to apply to your life. And I would like to push back against that politely. Amen. And I would like to hear from Townsend as well because she has, I mean, she sat down and said the quintessential situation as far as slavery is concerned in the Bible. And I was like, oof, I'm just going to let her have it then. So, (laughs) because I want her to show that you don't have to be, and I know, you know, she has, she has far more wisdom in things that I'll never understand. Not true. (laughs) But she didn't go to seminary. And I want to, I always want to be able to highlight that either it's me, the seminary student or her, the not seminary student. 
we can still know these things. You don't have to have some magic key card that tells you what the Bible is saying. You just got to open and see what it says. And so today, as odd as it may seem, we want to talk about slavery, of all things, because the title of this episode is I Am Your Master. And is that true? Is it true? Should you just cast away your Bible because, by by gosh, it, it says that you should own people? And so who would want—I wouldn't want to own a book that, that was commanding that people should own other people. So, A, would you— you know, follow along with a text that was teaching you that? Absolutely not. No, neither would I. No, neither would I. Uh, but does does the Bible say that? Now, I'm going to give some verses. I'm going to read some, and then I'm going to ask you. I didn't tell you. I was gonna, I'm going to ask you, what do you think? He, how, how could you justify that? Okay, so here, Paul writes this in Colossians 4.1. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Well, there's a verse that says people should be masters and treat their slaves justly and fairly. To the Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 5, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling and with a sincere heart as you would Christ. To the Galatians, we're told about being free and not returning to slavery. But in 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 18, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. So now Peter is saying, if you're a slave, stay a slave, even if your master is ugly to you and mean to you. So <laughs> here's some, and these are all things that have been quoted to me, and they are in the Bible, but there you go. Now, Ashley Townsend, <laughs> you're going to help me. Doesn't that tell me that the Bible wants me to own slaves? I absolutely do not gather that when I read that. And that was before diving into scripture without a shallow mind and after. So, um, you know, my ultimately, when I think about our situations as humans, mm-hmm. um, I find that no matter what situation I think about, I think of us being a slave to something. Um, and so, you know, the first thing that came to mind when you were talking about having a sincere heart, um, toward your master and the things that your master is asking you to do, my very first thought went to a parents, B employers and, and C, of course, that of Christ. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you have areas of your life to where you answer to some higher authority, And ultimately, you know, by taking away certain um, replicas of things like statues and certain ideals of of slavery, people in this country have tried to just completely diminish the idea that it existed. So Mm -hmm. let me add this in. I absolutely hate the idea that it ever existed. Mm. Um, I do. I, I hate the fact that there were people who at some point did not conduct themselves um, in a Christ-like manner and treated people as though they were less. Um, so that does, it makes my heart sad. But on a whole separate level, I think about over time, the fact is that when these things were written, slavery has been in existence since humans. That's true. And so whether or not I, myself, feel that that was an appropriate situation, it did exist then. 
And so where I sit now is, you know, I, I am a slave to something. Um, this day and age, it's a slave to a dental practice well, and okay. a slave to, you know, my marriage, a slave to my motherhood, a slave to whatever other millions of things that I could think of that mm-hmm. I actually put forth my time and effort. But in my mind, I think that especially that verse goes back to the heart and the integrity that you have in the work that you're doing, not into the the actual physical situation that you find yourself in. And I really, really like that you, you, you said, everyone, we all have a master, right? Jesus is very clear about that. And it's a well-known, oft-quoted passage where he says, no one can serve two masters. Implicit in that statement is you always are going to be serving one. Absolutely. And I like to look at that and see that ultimately what Jesus is saying is you're either going to be a servant of God or you're going to be a servant of yourself, a servant of your flesh. And Bob Dylan said everybody's got to serve somebody, right? That's a song. I, I do think, though, you, you also very wisely pointed out that slavery has been a part of human history since there was human history. I don't offer that as a way to excuse American history, because American history is, that part of it is vile. That yes, is that, absolutely. That not only people would be owned in that way, but to, to be able to look at another living, breathing human being and say their property, not a person, that is a immature mind that doesn't understand the full glory of creation. And I hate, I wish that that wasn't true, not just in American history, but in any history. But that is something you have to own up to when you're reading a document that was written thousands of years ago is, I, I, I get into a lot of trouble as a, as a Bible student if I take my 21st century brain back there. Yes. Right? I, they don't think about things the way we think about things today. Absolutely. And so it's super important, first off, in the New Testament to recognize that slavery in the context of every reference Paul makes or Peter makes or anyone makes in the New Testament, in the context of that time period, those aren't the same type of slave that we in America might think about. That word is bond servant. That's what he's talking about. These are people that have willingly entered into servitude with somebody. We would call that person today almost like a butler. Well, or you a know, house servant. I grew up in the South, of course, right. and so my aunt and uncle had a farm where mm-hmm. my family resides now um, in West Tennessee, and they would tell stories about um, they had they had cotton, they had um, corn, they had beans, they had all kind of farmland, and they in particularly had inherited a hundred acres, exactly a hundred acres, but all around them is is just a vast array of farmland. Mm -hmm. And so they would tell stories about their ancestors having slaves and Mm -hmm. people that would, that would work the farm and how that over time, uh, a relationship was developed so strong that the ancestors of the people that they had in slavery would actually come to work for who ended up coming to work for my aunt and uncle Uh And were considered a part of our family. Right. You know, um, we had a lady that that her great grandparents had worked for my aunt and uncle's parents and great grandparents. Mm-hmm. And um, she came and she would sit with my aunt once she got old and couldn't tend to herself. And I just remember like she would come pick us up from school and her skin color was completely different from mine. But I had no idea that that wasn't normal. Right. You know, right. that that wasn't a normal thing because for us, it definitely was. 
And so she was as much a part of our family as any other member. And so, you know, as far as the slavery ideal in my mind, I would watch her with my with my aunt and the love she had for my aunt and the love my aunt had for her. It it was just a, a two way street and in both the way they act, you could see Christ in both people. And I just don't think the history of what began that relationship mm-hmm. was a portrayal of Christ. But just as the Bible says, he works all, all things, things toward good. Yeah. And so here we are. We end up in my lifetime. I was able to see Jesus in these two ladies who helped raise me and taught me. I mean, when the role is called up yonder, I used to stand mm-hmm. on my um, aunt's ottoman and sing to these two ladies. <laughs> and so it's just crazy how, you know, our minds, if we really let it, the evil take over, I could have went a whole different direction and how I would have picture these ladies Mm -hmm. in my life, but by seeing how Christ works and and realizing that our only true master is God. Because you asked me when we sat down, I said, oh, slavery. And and God being pro-slavery, I absolutely think he is, but to him alone. Yes. To him alone. And that, but, but to get there, I have to get past this whole idea of People want to believe that God is pro-slavery, as in the ownership of Absolutely. other people. Absolutely, has and, nothing to do. He, he. I don't believe that that's something that our Creator ever would have had in mind when he, when r- he, of course, knew it was going to happen. Right, and that's the key. Okay, so you just said something that's the key, and then and and so here is a little seminary leaking out. So it it is very clear in do, in the New Testament, in the in the Pentateuch, in the first five books. When the Hebrews are being taught how they're supposed to live, there are statements about owning slaves. So I'll just read one, Deuteronomy 24, 7. Oh, no, wait, sorry, Exodus 21, 2. When you buy a Hebrew slave. Wait, what? When you buy, is that, so God is saying buy a Hebrew slave? No. The difference is you have to be able to see the difference between something that is prescriptive and something that is descriptive. Yes. When I go to the doctor and they give me a prescription, that is them telling me what I will do, right? I'm giving you a prescription for this medication, and it will say when to take and how to take. That's prescribing me behavior. Descriptive means you are describing behavior that is already taking place. What you see in the Old Testament, even what you see in the New Testament, is the Bible describing how you will behave since something is already happening. Yes. So as you go, do this, do that. So you're already doing it. The cause and effect of what's already Right. You're already doing that. So here's how you're going to do it. Yes. Right? That is what's being communicated biblically as far as the idea of being, quote unquote, pro-slavery when you're talking about slavery between two people or, or one person and a whole host of others, right? God is saying, here's how you will treat them. Here's how you will let them free. Here's how you will. It's all about you're already doing it because, as you said, slavery has been a part of human history since human history existed. So since that's already a thing, here's how I want you to do it. He's, what does he say, though, about slavery? Well, he says that he came to set the captive free. Right, So he says, Jesus says, I came to set people loose. Paul wrote, <laughs> Paul wrote a letter that has the most argued over title uh, in the New Testament, whether you call it Philemon, Philemon, Philemon. I mean, everybody's got a different way to say the, the name of the book that uh, I think is Philemon. But in the book Philemon, the guy is a slave owner. 
He has a bondservant that has run away. Onesimus and Philemon and this idea of who, who should you let him just be free or should you make him come back? And Paul is saying, no, please realize that in the time that he's run away from you, he has given his life to Christ and, and he needs to be allowed to live in the freedom of that. So I urge you, just receive him as a brother. And we know, based on uh, other different things, that that's exactly what happened. God wants people to be set free for the servitude of good, right? Like yes. you're saying, that God doesn't want us not to be slaves, but he wants us to be slaves to his call. Absolutely. Which isn't the same thing as American history, slavery, no. confederacy, and all that stuff. But the problem is people want it to be that. They want to say, well, well, this is actually what it is, right? And so we... Here's here's uh here's where we'll get to the meat. We want to focus on this argument that God okay's and is pro-slavery so that we could ignore the fact that we're actually slaves to sin and we don't have to talk about that. So when Jesus says nobody can serve two masters, you can cut up his discussion and and you know he says no one can serve God and mammon, which is this idea of the God the worship of wealth or money or basically self. But the image is, obviously, you can serve God or you can serve yourself. Good, righteousness, or flesh. Well, if I can get lost in this debate on whether or not God is pro-slave ownership, uh, then I don't have to look at the ugly truth that actually exists because God doesn't command ownership of people. God does command that we take captive our our hearts, hearts. and our calling. Yes. And so I can ignore that and get lost in this silly discussion. So that's why I, that's why this one's titled, I Am Your Master. Who is the I in that statement, right? Is God the I or, or are I you? Yes. And Billy Graham's the one who made it famous. He said, you show me a man's pocketbook and I'll tell you who his master is, right? Well, I think he said checkbook, but who, who, who carries that around anymore? So you look at where you spend money and all of a sudden you see who your master is because it's who you, whose mission you're supporting in that case, you know? Or it, does your money go to the causes that uplift people that, you know, to your church, all, whatever, or are you busy buying the things that make your flesh happy? Are you busy with the newest toy? You know, and I'm not, I'm not wanting to demonize somebody who bought a Tesla or something. If you can afford that and God has given you the freedom to do it, go do it. But let's be honest, right? Yes. You know, listener land, you won't realize, and it doesn't matter, Lord have mercy, if God is good, then you might be listening to this a year after we recorded it, and we might listen to it a, a year later and, and be embarrassed by how <laughs> what we sound like, but we spent an hour talking about one, something else before we ever pushed the record button, right? And what we were talking about, while the context won't really matter, at the core of it, when we're trying to work through all of life's little intricacies, at the very core is who's calling the shots here. Yes, and I was just going to say, you know, when you get back to the idea of slavery, the why goes so far. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's just like the two ladies I was talking about, the why that one was inside the other's house in my lifetime was because of the love they had for each other mm -hmm. and because um, of the, the security and where one had one had security in having the other there to care for them, the other found security in having that place to go to make a living to offer care for someone that they already cared for. Mm -hmm. So it was a two way street. The why, when we go back to way back before our time, preacher man and Townsend time, way before we were ever even thought about. 
the why was completely selfish and the why was that I am the master as the human flesh is the master, Mm -hmm. you know? And so the why for the two ladies that I stood on the ottoman and sang for was Christ. Right. The why in previous years to all of us was not. And so that's the two. And if, and if Christ, if God says Christ all day long, period, there is no other ending to that sentence. Christ, period, no other question, no other answer. It is Christ alone. Then there's no way he can be pro slavery at all. Right. So I like to be reminded of Paul's statement to the Galatians when he says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. That's because it's odd. Why does he repeat the word free twice there? For freedom, Christ set us free. Well, first off, to be set free, guess what I have to be in first? Bondage, which is slavery. I am bound to something else, and something else is calling the shots. Yes. And Paul says, but for that bondage to be broken, that's why you were set free. You were set free so that you would no longer carry the chains or chains that that bind you to something else. Yeah. And and so, but then what does he say? Don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. Yes. You were set, he broke chains so that you never again had to be latched on to that stone. So don't on purpose take a rope and go tie yourself back to it. Absolutely. And you know, having said that, I want to add this part into it. Having the record of that, having the written part for us to learn from Mm -hmm. is such a huge thing. Having history and allowing yourselves to know what was, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to try and erase that history is actually detrimental for the future in that others may not realize how far we've come. Sure. And so I find myself worried when I think of people who want to do away with any and all mention of what their ancestors went through, how our ancestors were, you know, the, the gender battle along with the race battle, you know, we will get into this. And if I'm not mistaken on this same list that we have now, um, about women and men in the Bible, Mm -hmm. but right now dealing with the idea of slavery and we're dealing with the race topic, You know, if we even, our skin is white. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my closest friends now today who I work with every single day, her skin is dark. And she and I just had this conversation the other day to do away with history is for each of us to fail to realize where we've come from. Mm -hmm. Me, I look back at ancestors who I know probably did participate in slavery in the way that makes my stomach turn. Mm -hmm. And I never want to go back there again. My heart longs to be more like Christ, so that's not a road I would ever even tread on. To do away with that would lead to the possibility that my great-great-grandchildren may not realize how bad that was and possibly tread that same road. Mm. You know, And so I think to talk about this topic and acknowledge that it is recorded in the Bible to describe slavery— is so huge to realize how the importance of that is to the change that has taken place, the active God that we serve, Mm -hmm. and to note the change that he has allowed to take place in all of our lives and how he's allowed us to grow spiritually into the the 
society that we are now. Right. To and be yet able, here we are, kind to take, of right. dabbling back into to tying ourselves down to that bondage again. To rewrite what has come before. Absolutely. So it, it would be fair, I would say, at least for myself, that if you knew, and I'm also from the South, except where I live right now. Where I live right now in, in I guess you'd say, East Central Mississippi, people tell me I'm from the North because I was born in Memphis, Tennessee. Yes, and I was born and, from and West Tennessee, too, per, so apparently yes. Apparently that's we're... too far. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know enough, I guess, really about my uh, ancestry. But let's just say because of where I'm from that somewhere, some, somehow— uh, we're both in the same boat that we have greatity, great, great, greats who owned another human. Yes. Wouldn't it be despicable, sick and terrible to know what we know now about God and his love for everyone and the equality at the cross for us to go and try to own someone? Absolutely. That's disgusting. That right? is horrible. That's exactly what Paul is. That's the, that sort of revulsion that you might feel thinking about that, how somebody would try to go do what we already know is so very wrong, that sort of, oh, that, I mean, that's absolutely, no, that's what Paul means when he exactly. says, then don't go again, submit yourself to the yoke of slavery. Don't, don't go, you have been set free from that, so don't go do it again. See, that is a type of support of slavery. We're being semantically clever with slavery then because he's saying, be free as a servant of God, right? Absolutely. That Paul says himself, I am a bond servant of Christ. And see, it's a key difference, especially in the New Testament, when we start seeing any reference to slaves, masters, and whatever. A bond servant made a choice to give their life in servitude to someone else. It was literally like an occupation for many people. So when it's used as an image there, Paul is saying, I have willingly given myself to God. Absolutely. And to willingly do that means you've willingly walked away from the idea of a life that wasn't about him, which means Mm -hmm. to stir up bitterness and anger on a topic like this is, again, dabbling in the idea of tying yourself down to bondage, sin, just a constant turmoil. And we've been set free from that, guys. Mm-hmm. We're all in that same boat of freedom. Run run like mad people away from the idea of being tied back down to something and go toward the cross right. with everything in you. Because another thing about this idea, slavery, um, you know, it brings with it this idea of inequality, like how one person could own someone else because they saw the other as unequal to them. Which is why it's important, and you, you've, I'm sure many, many people have heard this before, also in Galatians, but this one in chapter 3, there isn't any Jew or Greek, there is neither slave nor free. In other words, Paul is saying, all of that is wiped away. There is just you and me in Jesus Christ. There is no male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus, he said. We, are, we, we, we have so much to learn about how equal God has made all of us, how uniquely beautiful and equal, yet we weren't made to be in bondage to our flesh, to our idea of I am better than somebody and that somebody, you know, deserves to be in a lower position than me or this idea. I hate to break it to the average American ideal. I mean, 
we will argue about the color of ketchup nowadays, I guess. But in America, we have this, we sometimes have this very American ideal about everything. Like it's just us on the planet, you know, yes. it's like America and whatever else, you know, we, we don't really keep up with everything else. In America, there is no such thing as slavery. Okay. That was outlawed. Now you might get into that and say, well, what about racism and other things? Yeah. You're, those are human characteristics. You're never going to get rid of, but the behavior of slavery, it does not exist in America. But it still exists on the planet. Yes. And so you might even have, you, I don't know if you made it this far in the episode, uh, in, in, this, in this specific podcast, but you might even still be wondering, like, why is this something we should talk about? It still exists. There are still people who are put into sex slavery, uh, all sorts of different sorts of slavery in Absolutely. the Middle East and in India. You know, this still happens because we haven't been on the ball enough is that is that the right way? you know we haven't been responsible enough of saying we're not property except to the one who made us absolutely and that's the problem is just what we said christ period the eyes of the human race the entire human race are not on the cross right sure and we and uh this is something that's very near to me right now is so many people I don't know. Is it because we feel so much pain in our daily life? Is it because we think that we know better? I think maybe it has something to do with what you just said, Townsend, about, you know, we want to ignore history or ignore, rewrite it in some way, say it's not what it is. We just have so many people enslaving themselves to things. Yes. You're enslaving yourself to the alcohol you drink every day. You're enslaving yourself to the drugs you consume every day. You enslave yourself to the and this one, you know, this one, uh, especially as a young married man, I hope she would say she is technically sitting right over there in the corner so she can make eyes at me. But a young married man, I was I was a slave to being lazy. You know, my wife would go out and she poor thing worked when we were first married at a grocery store while I was supposed to be looking for a job. I just sat at home and watched Star Wars videotapes all day because I was a little baby. I didn't want to. I was a slave to that. You know, we get stuck thinking that slavery is just this one thing. And real easily, you can rewind it if you want to, but you can defeat that whole, the Bible is pro-human ownership real quick with the whole understanding of the difference between prescriptive and descriptive and then understanding what it means to be a bondservant in the New, in the New Testament. But slavery exists, and it literally exists in that human-owning-human way in other parts of the world still today in 2020, but it exists every day in the hearts of all of us who are struggling to recognize our need for full surrender to the only master worth being surrendered to. Yes. Because we're surrendering to this master of, you know, a good time or a master. This idea that your buddy's going to be your buddy all the time. Well, the prodigal son thought the same thing. And when the money ran out and when the good time ran out, the prodigal son was starving to death and alone. And do you know who would take him back? Do you know who was waiting for him? The father, the master. The master. Yes. And all he had to do was come home. And so, you know, this idea, slavery, does the Bible support slavery? Well, it depends on what kind you're asking. Because I say, I say, yeah, it does. It supports my heart's slavery in bondage to the gospel, in bondage to Jesus Christ and the truth. So that just like uh, Philemon uh, or Philemon or Philemon, you know, I don't, <laughs> again, I've never heard people discuss how to say the name of a book as many times as that, but <laughs> Paul wrote about him and said he is no longer a slave, but he is more than a slave. He is a brother. 
You know, Christ died that I might have the right to be called the son of God, that I could be taken up, owned in that family by my Savior. And I struggle to accept the truth of that when I still try to tie my chain to this boulder that wants to hold me down. And not recognizing where you came from. Like where you came from is taken away from who delivered you. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a huge, huge thing to, you know, I we talked about this before we started recording and, and someone mentioned to me last week about not being on this this thing telling other people what to do when my life isn't totally together and you know the thing of it is I do realize where I came from who I am without him and it's a scary thought and so I don't think that we ever truly just lay aside our ropes that tie us back to the bondage of of sin i don't think that it's in our human flesh to be able to do that until we're called sadly no sadly no but the realization is the first step and the second step is just actively pursue freedom every single day Mm -hmm. yeah because like you say we never don't have those ropes in our hands and i don't want to sound like some kind of weirdo but i do believe in spiritual forces I, i don't believe in ghosts I don't believe in poltergeists. I mean, that was a creepy movie when I was a kid, but, (laughs) you know, I don't believe in that stuff. I do believe, because the Bible says so, that the devil is my mortal, eternal enemy. Absolutely. And that he is prowling around the image, you know, there of a lion. He wants me to stumble. And so I am given opportunity to think that other things are really good ideas to tie my rope to. Well, and you know, it... I'm reading a a Bible study right now with a group of women who just constantly build me up and steadfast is the name of the study. But in the book, it made the comment and it hit me like a ton of bricks that the devil uses the same schemes that he always has Mm -hmm. the same way that he tempted Eve, the Mm -hmm. same way that he even tried to tempt Jesus was with what you already want. Mm What you already want is what the devil tries to to get you with. And so that's why we have to be careful and make sure that what we want is Jesus. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, if my eyes are at the top of the hill, then even if I kind of wander off the path occasionally, I'm still heading up. Exactly. But if I'm looking at the ground at all the different things that are, you know, and, and that idea you've kind of painted this picture I'm I'm thinking through of, I'm holding these ropes, and if they're tied to the cross— I don't ever have to worry about where to tie them again. Yes. But if I'm kind of half knotting them or I'm saying I tied one of them, but I keep this other one because maybe I want to drag this thing along with me over here on the side, then, you know, I'm I'm constantly worried about doing what I want. And, and, and worry is not the right word. I'm constantly burdened by trying to do what I want. And, and then the devil uses that to teach me that what I want, what Jesus wants are two different things. When Jesus is saying, no, I, I've done everything I can so that your wants and my wants can be unified, yes. you know? And so all this breaking apart and you know, circle the wagon on this idea of, I am a servant of God. I am a sl-. You hear that word all the time, a servant of God. And we're like, yeah, yeah, that's me. The word is slave. It just gets translated in English as servant because it sounds better. Yep. But the word is, I'm a slave of God, right? Because I, I, he's the master. And so Peter writes something that, to me, is slightly painful because of how many times I've done it in my life and how many times I know 
the church has done it in her whole life. In 1 Peter 2.16, Peter says, Live as a people who are free, and don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Yes. But live as a slave of God. Absolutely. There's too many times that I want to claim the freedom and live a slave to sin. And but, you know, but speak my freedom over it, you know, like, absolutely. oh, hey, no, 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 this is all fine because I'm forgiven. Yes, and then so oftentimes I want to make this part clear before we kind of come to an end, but sometimes the things that you're a slave to aren't bad things. Yeah, true. I mean, things that you tie yourself to aren't necessarily bad things, but they aren't things that maybe God has for you and mm-hmm. you've gotten your mind shifted from what it is that God's want you to do and back on self again. Right. You know, and so there's just a big gray area there full of just mess <laughs> that we let ourselves be tied to and we just have to be very careful. We yeah, have well, to be very careful. And, and that's a, I'm glad you brought that up because it is a dangerous thing to to think um so one, I, you know, like many people, I am very enamored with the life of Martin Luther. And, you know, he wanted to be a lawyer originally, or at least that's what his father wanted him to be. And he's out in the in a wagon being pulled in a in a in a carriage thingy or whatever you call that wagon. And it's not a wagon, but who cares? Anyway, a great big thunderstorm <laughs> comes up and he literally the thunderstorm, according to his tale, is so serious that he thinks he's about to die. So he falls on his face. Uh, in the mud, and he says, you know, God, if you let me survive this, I'll give my life to you. And so he becomes a monk because of a thunderstorm. Well, and then he just spends all of his life living as as passionately as he can, but he struggled so hard with depression because he was doing all the right things, but he was doing them for God and sometimes not with God. Yes, And absolutely. so I, I remind myself on a regular, <laughs> actually, that his wife— Story says that uh, he was struggling at some point with how, you know, people were mad at him or something had happened and he was in the in the dumps again. And so she came into the house wearing an, a, a black funeral dress. And so it wasn't a funeral. And so he, he asked her, uh, you know, why are you dressed like that? Nobody, you know, there's no funeral. And she said, well, if you're going to sit in here and act like somebody died, I'll at least dress correctly. And that shook him out of that that moment he struggled with it his whole life and but the idea of realizing that i can even be in service to god and do it wrong not because it was wrong but maybe it wasn't what i was supposed to be doing yes you know and that that even like you said it's a messy gray area and it's something you have to think through and that may be a whole another 40 or 45 minutes that we should you know how do you know what god is to, in fact somebody may have asked that in anyway but and i'm get distracted um <laughs> This gray area does involve, you know, you going to work and doing the best job you can possibly do. That's not bad. Correct. But if your home life is suffering because of it, suddenly you see, oh, that which in itself isn't bad has become bad. Yes. And me that being a slave to it. You don't want people listening in listener land to think, well, I don't have a major drug problem or I don't have, you know, I'm not an alcoholic. And last time I checked, I didn't have a, a family living outside that I'm like trying to right. have, ownership over, you know, yeah. ownership of. So I think I'm good. But every single moment of every single day, you are either a slave to Christ or you are a slave to something else. Right. Whether, I mean, it's you or him. And can I just tell you? The two people talking to you this past 40 minutes are not innocent of this problem. 
Okay. Because I told you we talked for an hour before this and that had something to do with it from both of us. We need to be doing with God every day because he is the master and we need to be recognizing and, and, and looking at the uglier parts of our life that say, you know, I have willingly entered into servitude in a place that I shouldn't be. And I maybe even am asking people to be a servant to something that they shouldn't be. You know, there's, it's very, uh, it's got a lot of different directions that I need to be looking in, but I need to start with what Townsend just said, Christ, period. Does the Bible have a pro-slavery teaching? Yes, if you're understanding the slavery to the cross. Yes. No, if you're trying to tell me that the Bible was rightly used by some Southern preachers in the Confederate time where they're like, the Bible says that slaves should do what their masters say. Well, that was the Bible describing a situation that was already occurring. It was not instructing a situation to begin. And those men were wrong. Everyone who has ever used the Bible to justify that behavior is wrong, period. Because God, as the Bible says, is about freedom. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Don't then return to the yoke of slavery. That's the slavery of flesh. Because you're going to serve somebody It's either going to be yourself, your flesh, the sin in you, or it's going to be the Christ who died to redeem you and set you free. I hope that makes some kind of sense, and you can tell us if it does or doesn't, but we love each and every one of you, and what we want most of all is to be on this journey with you, learning how to live fully in that freedom that God has given us. So when you hear the phrase, I am your master, just make sure you know that the I making that statement is God himself, Amen. and that everything you're told after that you can trust and apply in your daily life. Guys, I hope everything about what you're doing is going well. I hope you're healthy. I hope you're happy. And I pray that God would give you glory in all of the days ahead. But until you hear from me or her again, we want you to know we love you. We want you to know we appreciate you. Thank you so much for sharing or even just for being a listener. You bless us by being there where you are. So we pray you're happy. We pray you're healthy. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Musings with Townsend and Preacher Man is a podcast dedicated to encouraging you as you think and start your own discussions at home about God and the Christian worldview. If you like what you've heard, please consider giving us a five-star rating on the platform of your choice and share our podcast with folks you know. If you need to get in touch with Townsend or Preacher Man, you can email either of them at mtpm.podcast at gmail.com.